You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. Welcome back to 21 Questions, where we here at KCSN answer your guys' questions. And I know everyone's first question. I mean, I'm Matt Lane. I know everyone's question here is, Maddie, why are you hosting this? You've hosted like one of these in the entire time that KCSN has been here. Well, that is because I am happy to be joined by one of the new hosts here at KCSN, Josh Briscoe. You can find him on Only Weird Games. He's here and I'm excited. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm great, man. I, I know we've talked before. We've uh, had our times on, on 810 where maybe Jason's been out and I've had the privilege of getting to catch up with you. But I don't think we've ever gotten to like do a video thing together. And certainly not without those other fools that continuously keep us apart. So I'm honestly thrilled that we're doing this today. Uh, and I've I've taken a brief look at the KCSN Discord, so I know uh, I know there's some heat coming in, in 21 questions. Oh no, and that's perfect because you're right. Yeah, I don't think that we have really gotten to do a, a real <clears throat> excuse me one on one thing here um, at any point in time. We've you know shared some time with each other, but never gotten to uh, talk one on one. So this is gonna be fun. I think this is going to be great. I think uh, I think you and I will play off each other pretty well for this. You mentioned it there, though. These questions are all coming from the KCSN Discord. If you are in the Discord, you get to ask questions every week, and we will most likely will answer them. If you are not, you can head on over to kcsn.substack, sign up for the KCSN Daily. It's $30 per year. That gets you access to all of the written content that we have, film breakdowns and everything, and you get invited to the KCSN Discord where you can ask these questions that we answer frequently. That's the best place to get to them. So we're going to hop in. Um, I, you know, I, I can tell a little bit from uh, listening to Only Weird Games that Josh and I probably will go long on this. I'm a talker. Yeah. since like he's a talker. Except for when he sits across the room and lets his uh, co-host just go to town. That's, <laughs> that's been one of my favorite bits so far. Um, so we're going to get started. This one's from Cheddar Bob. I, you need to rate, rate the Cats brothers as agents on the Maddie Cheeseburger scale. And if you are unaware of the Cheeseburger scale, Anyone listening, I'm going to I'm going to lay it out the best I can here. Um lowest tier, McDonald's cheeseburger. Probably forgot your hamburger on there. So McDonald's cheeseburger. Um up next, oh, I honestly forget what I forget the cheeseburger scale cuz I got so much heat for it. Um I'm oh, trying to it think was too controversial. Of Yeah, people got really mad because Westport Flea Market was th- uh second. Town Topic because Andy Reid said it was first was first and I honestly forget what number two was so we'll just call it five guys for now um that doesn't sound right but what's what we're gonna go with so McDonald's five guys Westport Flea Market Town Topic you have to rate the Cats Brothers on the cheeseburger scale um you know how you can get at a gas station like one of those burgers that's like a dollar in a wrapper and like microwave it I've never eaten one of those. But that's where I'm at right now, at least. And look, I don't know the Cats brothers. They don't talk to me, and I don't talk to them. And if anybody close to me does talk to the Cats brothers, and I've made this harder for you, I do apologize. But but the the space where I stand now, and I don't know how the timeline of all of this is going to work out, different weird Chris Jones reports could come out between now and when people are hearing this. What we know right now is that he was not at the Sunday practice, which is essentially the Chiefs' Wednesday practice to kick off Week one, this is week one for the Chiefs, and Chris Jones wasn't there for the first practice of it. Nate Taylor said on the aforementioned Only Weird Games, that was kind of his cutoff for, for Chris Jones being able to play week one, is to be here for week one of practice. Um, so maybe maybe belaboring the point, but what, what completely confuses me right now about the Cats brothers is I don't know how they've handled this, but I do know how Drew Rosenhaus handled Tyreek Hill. And it was doing all of this before the draft, finding the destination your guy actually wants to go to, a team who will actually pay him the money that he wants, and another bidder in the Jets to make sure that the Chiefs would get a haul that would be worth sending him to Miami. And for me, that's that's the thing that's frustrating with the Cats brothers. Maybe the Chiefs have some of this on their hands as well. But if you're the Cats brothers, you've got to have, you got to be five steps ahead. And it feels like all of these negotiations have been five or six steps behind. No, I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, they're they're McDonald's and it's a McDonald's got your order wrong kind of thing. It's like you said, no, no onions and ketchup and they put extra onions and ketchup kind of thing on there. Um, and I thought this, honestly, I thought this the last time Chris Jones was negotiating. I didn't think the Katz brothers particularly did a great job then either. But given the age and what you would anticipate, the like the upward trajectory of Chris Jones, I think it kind of just got glossed over. They got a good deal done. 
Now we're here again and you don't have quite that same level of upside because you were dealing with a different just age range and they have done a terrible job. Whether we want to believe stuff that's been reported out like most recently by Mike Florio and stuff like that, whether that's not, this is like the first time that we've really gotten to negotiating in the media. And it's weird that it came like, what, one or two days right after Nick Bosa's agent did the same thing. It's like, they're just kind of like playing it by ear. They're firing from the hip. And I just, I don't think they've done a great job with this. I feel like their advice has been bad and how they've handled it's been poor. So I, I am with you. That is a low, they've been, they've handled it very poorly. Let's just leave it at that. Um, a Justice 89 this is a bit of a long one. So I'm going to parse through this is a little bit of a two-parter. If we pay Chris Jones what he wants or close to what he wants, will there be enough money left to play, to pay at Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Nick Bolton, LeJarrius Sneed, maybe Willie Gay or some others? If we can't, should they try to get some value back by trying to trade him and tag him whether he sits out this year or not? The second part, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if the deal doesn't get done long term, then it's and this is one of the factors that has me concerned about what the Cats brothers are telling Chris Jones, frankly. If you get to a point where he's missing games, next year's franchise tag number is going to drop accordingly, which makes him easier for the Chiefs to tag and then easier for the Chiefs to move and then maybe something else, a lower number for another team to pay him in an offer next year. Again, it just seems like bad negotiating to me, but without knowing all of the details. With with all of that, though, yeah, that that is mandatory. I think they're going to have a plan to pay the guys they really want to keep around regardless, especially if, like, that Florio report, which, you know, Fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever. Uh, grain of salt. But it, with that report, it was that the Chiefs wanted to make it essentially a three-year guaranteed deal starting new this year, ripping up this this upcoming 2023 year. So that would shorten up the timeline for the guaranteed money. And then that year four out of the out of uh, Chris Jones's deal when they could get out of it completely, that would probably be when they'd stack bigger years for guys like Creed. Yeah, I think... The Chiefs aren't so the Chiefs, no matter what, aren't going to go above whatever they kind of set as their particular number, right? Like that's just with the, how the Chiefs operate. They're definitely not going to do it in a way that's going to risk them being able to sign other players they deem necessary. So that's going to be baked in here. I don't think the Chiefs are operating on any kind of like very short level um, like concept here. They're planning a little bit more long term. If Chris Jones' money that you know, what he's asking for close to stops them from keeping Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey, and they deem those two guys that they want to keep, they're not going to go that high. I think it is that simple. So yeah, they should try to recoup value. I think the problem you run into, though, is we're too late for that, right? Like You can't trade him now and get good value. Yeah, you can look at the Khalil Mack trade from years ago from the Raiders to the Bears. He was also a lot younger going into his prime. A team's going to be more willing to give up those draft assets for him. So you're going to have to likely play through this year you tag him and trade him next year. Who wants to trade for a guy on the tag that is going to be 30, which is, I mean, we're getting very close to the with the age which defensive tackles start to drift off in their production. So I don't know. The Chiefs are in a weird spot with this. Like to your point earlier, they should have been handled before the draft. So if both sides knew where they were at, maybe they were. And I don't know who drugged their feet there, but like it's not playing out well. Um, this next question was from uh, Christian Gumminger. It was directed at Kent, but I think we can answer it because I actually have a pretty decent answer to this too. What was what hurt you more? The Royals losing the 2014 World Series or the Chiefs losing the 2020 Super Bowl? Ooh. Um, I am I am very heavily biased towards football in in all in almost all math. Um yeah. but it that one would be the Royals based off what had happened more recently. I mean, I don't I don't know that I had any feeling at, after the 2014 World Series that we were going to get to see that again. Like, I mean, it was you had a hope it was still a good team, but it was like, oh well, that was that was the fairy tale run. Is a similar group going to be able to get back here again? But the Chiefs, that was after a Super Bowl win, and you still knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be around. That game was really frustrating, but it didn't like put me in a funk for a month just because like we knew exactly why the Chiefs lost that game. Their offensive line was decimated. Sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah, I'm with you. I heavy slant towards football. I pay zero lick of attention to baseball. The last time I watched baseball was actually when the Royals won the World Series. And good, then I good timing. kind of stopped watching after that. <laughs> However, that 2014 World Series in Madison Bubgarner, I still have a deep burning hatred for that man because he was just too good. I I have no ill will towards anybody on the Bucks, you know, besides maybe uh, Devin Lloyd there. Um However, but anybody else can, uh, can do their thing, right? Devin White, not Devin Lloyd. I had the wrong Devin there. But um, he's the only buck that I even, like, you know, registers as, like, disliking based on that. 
I still can't stand Madison Bumgarner to this day. So uh, I look at the Royals too, which is funny because yeah, we're both big into football over baseball, but that one that one got to us. We got a couple other cheeseburger. Okay, this is this is directly in a response to you asking for weird questions. So here you go, buddy. On the cheeseburger scale again, what would you rank the signing of Fred Williams to the practice squad? I saw this one and thought, well, we're not going to pick that one because I have no opinion on Fred Williams. Should I have an opinion on Fred Williams, Matt? Give me an opinion, an opinion, opinion on Fred Williams. Um, you know, I think this one is a solid um, five guys cheeseburger because that was a tier two that I don't remember what the actual cheeseburger I chose for it is. So I think that's very perfect for Fred Williams signing to the practice squad. It's just not really having much of a take here. Can we can we recalibrate your cheeseburger scale real quick? Real quick, do you know what your like neck, like where your your uh, your your personal fast food rankings would be for some of those? I had Shake Shack for the first time a few years ago, and it like changed the game for me. Shake Shack Five Guys up there. That's my like top tier. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so see now that you say that, I um I got it. What is uh is it is Whataburger? What is now in Kansas City or yes. the Kansas City area? Yeah. That was tier two. It was McDonald's, Whataburger, and then it was uh, Westport Flea Market Town Topic. Town Topic only top because Andy Reid said so. That's not my choice. My favorite's God. actually not on this list, but that was the order it was in. So Whataburger was two. So yeah, he Fred Williams can be a Whataburger burger for me because I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> yep, and I have lots of food opinions and. Um, I don't have that strong of an opinion to share a Whataburger right now, so it actually totally fits. <laughs> From Keith McLean, uh, what is your Mahomes stat line prediction for week one? I like this question a lot, and Keith also asked who my like favorite Canadian listener was. It's also you <laughs> you get two questions answered all at once. Um I now that I believe, maybe for the first time, I believe Chris Jones will not make an appearance in week one. That's just where I'm at right now. Could very well be completely proven to be wrong by the time anyone's hearing this show. I I do kind of think we might get like a Mahomes scorched earth game. Like I'm I don't know that it's gonna be even necessary, but Andy Reid in week one does not bleep around. And look, maybe maybe you end up seeing 15 carries from Clyde Edwards Elaire, like just to kind of put the game away. Maybe it's a boring, we're gonna just run through this team and figure out where they start from kind of game. But I could absolutely see like 32 for 40 for 300 and 340 yards and like three touchdowns like something something that feels like okay this is going to be the Chiefs offense winning this game and the Lions are going to have to play some high octane football yeah I think I agree you're getting week one early Andy with a lot of time to prepare I think you've had the Chiefs sitting here now and this is you know I guess a, a question that's going to go on I think for the rest of this week for me the Chiefs have heard a lot of people question how good they can be without Chris Jones now. They've heard a lot of people say, oh, this Lions game is now going to be tight because you don't have Chris Jones. While maybe true in theory, I also think you're telling Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and so on that this game's going to be close because they're missing just one particular player that isn't them, that isn't that particular person. I think that kind of matters. So yeah, I think the Chiefs offense comes out and they kind of hum a little bit along. The Lions... A lot of people's favorite team in the NFC, like a nice team that's on the rise. I still don't know if I think that defense is great. I think the Chiefs offense should have a good time. So, I'm, yeah, we're, I think we're getting a good Mahomes day. I'm going to give him uh, four touchdowns, 342 yards, um, couple yard, a couple third down conversions on the ground as the new wide receiver group struggles to get open. I think it's a big game, though, in week one. From Tank the Frank, what's the worst date you have ever been on? Huh. You need a second because I got mine. I, I, I yeah, go ahead. I'll, go. I'll give you a second. I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I mean, I probably would have been high, late high school or just out. Probably late high school. Um, me and my best friend, we were going on a double date, but it was actually a group of people. But me and him were also going on two different a date with two friends, and we were at the movie theater watching a horror movie. And this was at the time at which 3D movies. We're kind of trying to become a thing. And I don't remember the movie, but there was definitely like uh, axes. There was like an axe serial killer of some kind. And every time the terrible 3D imagery came with that axe flying out, people around us would get scared. Well, I am sitting next to my friend on one side, my date on the other, and my friend is holding like a bag of popcorn or a drink or something. He gets scared. He launches this popcorn in the air at one point in time with this 3D stuff. It lands on like everybody and himself. And it just, it became a mess there. I think there was like three drinks spilled between the group. It was one of the absolute worst dates, <laughs> most annoying dates I've ever been on. Cause at that point 
you, like the whole point of a horror movie is you guys supposed to like sit close to your date and stuff like that. Everyone's just throwing food and drinks everywhere. I think it just kind of became just this silly thing. It was terrible. It was a waste of time. Needless to say, there were not many other dates going on between anybody involved in this uh, party. <laughs> uh, so that that probably is the top for me. I don't have a lot of great bad dating stories that uh, belong on a podcast. I don't either, um, in, in large part, because I just I don't have a lot of like casual dates to kind of call back on. Um, uh, the one that does jump to mind is at one point, you know, this was a an excellent film to have seen, but it was a little bit weird um, to to go on a date with um, with my date and I think a couple members of her family when we were going to they're doing one of those like Criterion Collection type of things like movies from the past at the movie theater, oh. um, and we all went and saw Schindler's List. And like, you, you know, a powerful, difficult movie uh, that I'm glad to have seen now. Kind of a tough speed for a date, kind of a tough speed for a date day. So that's that's the best answer that I have. Um, I've just not the worst, not a bad day overall. Right, right. Uh, but a, but a couple of weird choices that, that led us there. And uh, but now I've, now I've seen a very important movie. So I guess it all worked out and no one threw popcorn in there. <laughs> that that's true. I mean, listen. At least, like you know, you said the family was there, so it already provided a bit of like a, a cooler there because like yeah, that we knew we knew. A heck of a, <laughs> that'd be a heck of a drive home though. If not, if it was just you two watching Schindler's List and that drive home, like that's just like it's eerie silence. Like, what do you even say at that point? And kind of like you know, we're not going to say anything during this quick break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So it'll matter your skill level. You can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at PXG.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Welcome back to 21 Questions. We just got done talking about our worst dates and watching Schindler's List. Maybe not being ideal for that. Um, so next up, from Joseph. Who who has the weirdest stat line for this year? The winner last year was probably Travis Kelsey. Seven catches for 25 yards and four touchdowns. Who has the weirdest stat line this year and who is it? Love this question. I think there's an obvious answer. Do you think there's an obvious answer? I think so. I think I'm, I think I'm probably... The answer I think you're going to go with is a wide receiver? Yes. Okay, okay. So go ahead and take that one. I got another one, though. It's totally possible that Justin Ross has a three catches for seven yards and two touchdowns day. It, that's 100% Absolutely. So that that's the one for me. I thought I would try to come up with a, with a more uh, outside sort of uh, uh, option, but I'd rather hear yours because I don't have a better one than, than Justin Ross feels like he could have. I think ultimately he'll do more than just the red zone stuff, but that's that's absolutely in the cards for him. No, I agree. We actually have another Justin Ross question coming about like maybe his snaps in week one. I think that'll also play into this too. But yeah, I think there's a very good chance that Justin Ross has almost as many touchdowns as he does snaps in a game this year. I think that's entirely possible. So like that will count. Um, I'm going to go with Shamari Connor. Um, and that's because I think the way the Chiefs have been using him on defense, I think there's a chance here as a safety, this guy comes out with maybe playing 18 snaps in a game and has two or three sacks in that game because they're going to blitz him on 10 of those 18 snaps. And maybe there's a pass breakup or a tackle for loss in there too, because he's constantly going to be moving downhill. So like I know people don't think of defensive, you know, uh, stat lines as quite as weird, but if a safety has multiple sacks and a tackle for loss in a game, but only plays twenty some snaps, that I don't classify for me. It won't get quite the attention, but I think he has a chance to be up there. Love that. Um, all right, we got Lindsey Lou. Um, that is not a question, so I am sorry for that one. We are moving on to... Thanks anyway. I am just reading a comment. Thank you for the comment. We do appreciate that. Um, we are moving on. I'm scrolling down. I'm scrolling down here. What is your... <laughs> is from Zach Zimrax. What is your favorite integer between 68 and 70? Okay, I don't... I mean, I, by definition, guy with 69. What you want me to say, right? Happy with yourself? Happy with how this went? You got this as a podcast we're doing? <laughs> Maddie, what's your favorite? What's your favorite integer between uh, 68 and 70? Ooh, man. Um, so, yeah, I definitely didn't Google what an integer was or anything, guys. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, let's go with uh, eh, 69. <laughs> to Grousley, um, will this be a weird season where the first eight games and the last nine games reveal two entirely different Chiefs teams? Can't I mean, like... The most ever, right? But think about this, dude. There's a chance. I there's a chance that in in week seven we are seeing for the first time the Chiefs' two best defensive linemen. There's a chance that they arrive arm in arm together. I would be kind of weird for all of the ways that it could shake out. But we could see the Chiefs' defense without Chris Jones for a minute. We're gonna see without Charles Amenahu for a while. There could and, and already Spags has the talk to me after Halloween mentality. It's going to take four weeks to figure this defense out anyway. We've still got some new pieces here. Like, yeah, I I really, my take before the season, a couple of months ago, I should say, before all the Chris Jones stuff got so dire, was, oh, this this Chiefs defense for me is like a fringe top 10 unit. Like, I really think there's top 10 potential in this defense, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. And now my take is, I don't want to talk about the Chiefs defense for a month. I Whatever happens, it, it could be a disaster. I, I, don't, I really don't know. Um very very little would surprise me through the first however long it takes for Chris Jones to be in at full speed and a minute who's a, a huge deal yeah uh, I mean like I love C Spagnolo because the first four weeks are like the throw everything at the wall yep. for like month of the season and then the next month after that is the okay now we're going to play relatively bland static defense people are going to think they get the edge on us we're going to see how people adjust to what I already did and then he starts to ramp it up going into the playoffs so like the Chiefs' defense under him has been bad to middling the first half of the year, and they always seem to hit their stride late in the year. You add on top of that this year, Chris Jones, we don't know when he's going to be there. We don't know what shape he'll be in. Charles Aminahue can't even be here until week seven, and if the preseason's any indication, he's going to have a huge role on this team on that defensive front. I don't even know what it's going to look like. It might not even be until the playoffs that this defense really starts to ramp up. You might be looking at like... Uh, Oh, what was the year where the Colts like defense was terrible and then they beat the Chiefs because they all of a sudden could stop the run on the, the uh, 
and the playoffs there. Yeah, and it's just like it might be something like that where the defense is one of the worst in the regular season then all of a sudden they go through a three, four game stretch in the playoffs where they're excellent. So I think it's very likely that happens. I think the Chiefs offense will be good enough. They can definitely win the AFC West if that's the case. We get a couple more from Christian Gumminger. I'm going to I'm going to go with this one actually. This is for you. Who would win in a game of one-on-one basketball between Kent and myself? This is a long debate on lap. This is a case in laboratory. Thank you. I, I mean, listen, I, I will let you answer that again when I'm not talking so everyone can hear. I just got to set the stage. This is a like five-year on debate and Kent thinks he has a chance. I just don't get it. Me neither. I No, I, I mean, look, uh, Kent's got a lot of great qualities, but we think Kent can, Kent can hoop. I don't. That's that's news to me. Um, no, I'll I'll take you. What are we playing? The Planet Twenty One. I guess that makes sense given the show today too. Uh, I'll take you minus three and a half. Oh, let's go. That's it. Listen, I, Kent Kent doesn't believe it. I'm telling you. Like, I hold on. Sorry, I for, I remember this now having been a conversation with Kent. I got on the radio years ago. Like you're right. This this has been going on for a minute now. It is all coming flooding back, and it didn't make any sense to me then either. So I think I'm consistent. He won't. He won't. He won't play me. Oh, I, I only have jeans today. I wore jeans today. Oh, I can't do it today because I'm sick. I, I caught COVID, so I can't play you in basketball. Like it's so many excuses <laughs> coming out of Kit. We never get a play. It's ridiculous. All ref. Uh, I'm. I'm. Oh, geez, I'm glad somebody else. You know. I, Okay, I'm going to be honest. Nobody's taking Kent in this. I'm just going to be straight up. Nobody's taking Kent besides Kent here. Like, Kent, you got you to let it go. He'll never listen to this, but you got to let it go. Um, bro, uh, Jay Hawkeen, uh, please rank. We got a lot of cheeseburger scale questions. It just lets you know uh, how strong the cheeseburger scale is among the listeners. Please rank the following scales on the cheeseburger scale, oh, a numeric dear. scale of 0 to 10, a letter grade, and the cheeseburger scale. They all have to be ranked on the cheeseburger scale. Uh, one to ten scale is a town topic on the cheese by your cheeseburger scale. My cheeseburger yeah. scale would be different. Your personal one would be different. But one to ten is yeah. is uh, I mean it's an all timer. It's a classic. I think Andy Reid knows how to do a one to ten scale just as he knows and loves town topic. I mean, one to ten scale is absolutely that's that's the iconic way to rate things by my book. Uh, I'm gonna say that the letter grade scale is sort of that. It's that Whataburger it, where it's like, hey, you know, I, it's there's. You you need you need to grade something, slap a letter on there. It's but it's there's still a lot of wiggle room, you know, between all the different points between letters. And then, it, it, are we actually doing percentages, or or are we doing letter grades? What's the difference between a D and an F? And then, what if you only get a fifty? You know, is a D a pass or is a C a pass? I you know I got different classes in school where those are two different things. Yeah, it makes no sense. I'm with you. It's letter. It's letter too grade. vague. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, you got an A today. Great. Fantastic. I'm thrilled. You get an F today. Oh, no, that's not good. Anything in between, too vague. Um, and then the cheeseburger scale is a uh, five guys for me, um, where it doesn't have quite this, the lasting power of the one to 10 scale, but it, I think, might be the best way to Yeah, the cheeseburger scale is awesome. Some, some listeners love it. Some listeners absolutely despise it. So... <laughs> Oh yeah, so here it is. I'm, you know, if they're listening, people that despise the cheeseburger scale, don't worry. After this football season is over, the cheeseburger scale is out, and we're getting a different scale. I'm thinking pizza, maybe lasagna. There's another food scale coming next year. You got that to look forward to, people. This is your fault. Um, Rice scale. Do you have any concerns about the Chiefs beating the Lions on Thursday? That is also from Keith. I oscillate on the. I guess uh, I fluctuate on this. Um, I don't. I think the Chiefs win this game. I think the line's at like six and a half now or something. I I typically I felt great last year going into that Cardinals game with like a Cardinals team who healthy at that point and like I always liked Kyler Murray. I was like, hey, that, that's that, that that team could be a little feisty, whatever. I don't remember what the line for that game was, but I was not worried about it. That felt like a Chiefs blowout incoming, and it obviously was. I want to be in the same place, the same place for the Lions, but the Chiefs' best defensive player is not out there, so I. There, there is a there is a mandatory minimum level of concern for me now because I don't know if Chief Stevens is going to look like I still feel pretty good about them winning that game. Okay, so is there? I just want to follow up on this. Are there any particular part of the team that you are most concerned? I mean, obviously the defense, right? But it's like, is it the pass rush? Is there something it's, on the defense that has you the most concerned about the the matchup? It's the pass rush, and it's it's what happens to Jared Goff when he isn't as impressured. I mean, if 
if he has all day, you, that's when that's when you're going to start seeing him looking like the best version of him that we've seen before. He is a competent quarterback, and I, I think this is maybe a, a pretty easy rule of thumb, but what a quarterback looks like when he is pressured versus when he isn't pressured is I think the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback or a great quarterback and an elite one is can you survive there? And, and if you told me Chris Jones was going to be living in, in Jared Goff's hip pocket all day, I would not be worried about this game in any way whatsoever. If if Amon Ross St. Brown and company has time to, to work on this chief secondary and Goff has time to sit back there and survey, eventually the pass catchers win those battles more often than not. So yeah, it's it's almost all pass rush based. Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't think I'm concerned about the Lions game to win because I said it before, it's week one, it's the Chiefs with a lot of time to prepare and I think they're going to get, they're going to have an edge. You're going to have guys on this team that want Chris Jones there, that absolutely want Chris Jones to be there, but they're also sitting there saying like, hey, I'm kind of important to this team too. We don't have to have any one player to win this game, right? I mean, there's obviously one, fit number 15 outside him. Nobody else is like mandatory for them to win a game in the NFL. I think you're going to have a lot of players with that kind of mentality. And so I think this game, I think they'll be up for. I think they'll all be ready. You want to tell me in week two, week three, there's maybe a little bit of a lull because of that. I would buy it more. I think week one, they'll be ready. I'm with you defensively. It's more, even more so than necessarily the, the pass rush. I think it's the run game. Chris Jones, oddly, was a lot, I mean, not oddly, he was a much better run defender last year than he had been previously in his career. And the numbers actually bared out. Two years ago, the Chiefs were a better run defense when Chris Jones was off the field. Last year, they were significantly better by any metric you could come up with EPA per play, success rate, whatever it may be, when Chris Jones was on the field versus off situations matters. There's all sorts of more stuff that goes into it, but like the lines are going to run the ball and they have a very complex run game and they're going to do it well without Chris Jones with a bunch of new defensive tackles. I do just kind of wonder if they can play ball control relatively well against the chiefs. And then we also have one more lions based question here, at least one from positively toasty, which player score touchdowns against the lions? Call your shot Ooh. or in the, who's scoring the tug delicious according to uh old Hackett up there in the uh -huh. Jets. Delicious. Uh, Travis Kelsey is going to score a touchdown. I, I just feel like that it would be foolish not to assume. Um, I my crazy here's my crazy week one take that I don't I would like need to get odds to really feel confident in it. But I think there's a real chance that Clyde Edwards Elaire leads running backs and touches in this game for the Chiefs. Oh, um, just I don't I don't know what the level of confidence is in Pacheco's shoulder, or if it makes sense to be like, hey man, go go bash that into some some angry defenders for two hours and just see what how it feels when you get out of there. At least it's and, not his kneecap. And say again. At least it's not his kneecap that's sore. At, at least it's not his kneecap. That's at least something. Um, McKinnon's going to be on this sort of, you know, old man preservation uh, plan for a long time. There's only three running backs on this roster. Like Clyde, be, Clyde's been getting all that work on the offseason. So um, I don't know. That's like a little sprinkle of a weird take. So if I, my, my easy answer is Kelsey. My outside answer is Clyde. And uh, I mean, there will be more touchdowns than that. But I those are those are the two. Good chance, less of a chance. I said I said four touchdowns from Mahomes and through the air, so we'll give two to Kelsey, one to let's go let's go Sky more. I think um, I think he gets his way into the end zone and a little designer red zone play and Marquez Valdez Scantling. I think we're giving him a touchdown here. I think the Chiefs are. I don't know if his his role is going to be different than last year, but I think they're going to have to get the ball to him in more ways. I think they will try to put him as first reads or get him involved a little bit more. Now that you don't have Juju Smith-Schuster, they're going to rely on that veteran presence. Yeah, I'll get MBS in there. I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised if Clyde has the most touches, and I know a lot of Chiefs fans don't like that, but you know when he knows the plays, when he can call the runs, and you never, the Chiefs will never feel like they are at the risk of him blowing a play up negatively. That's going to get you on the field a lot more. I mean, just quite simply, that will that will get you there. Uh, we'll get right back to a few more questions, but first, we have to take a little word from our pals at DraftKings. Can you guys believe that we've had seven months without an NFL game? That's crazy, right? Well. Good thing that's over. The NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. That's right. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day through September. Check the app to see what you get. 
So download the app now and use the code KCSN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly for just betting $5. That is code KCSN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. CDKNG.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply. All right, Josh, we're back. We got a few. Oh, this is from Kent, so we're starting right here. Counting, by the way? I don't know how many questions we've done. I just, you know, it feels like we're getting close to the end. Um, okay, very we good. got a few more here, though. It's, you know, 21-ish questions is how this segment goes. Never, um, never even occurred to me that you guys weren't counting every episode, but now, of course, why would you? See? Yeah, and see, now you now you put it out there for listeners, so, like, now all someone's right. going to start counting all these, yeah. and they're going to throw it at us when we only hit, like, 18. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, from, from Kit, he found his way onto the Discord. Wow. Uh, how many snaps does Justin Ross play in week one? 12? Okay. How's 12 feel to you? I think it's... I think it's high, um, but okay, I might be zero. I guess, I guess I am the local Justin Ross doubter for KCSN. I have I have comped his role to Jody Fortson's and the fact that I Jody now got hurt. I think he's stepping in there. Brett Beach kind of essentially said it right. So like I had it before then, but like Brett Beach said it. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. So the difference is Justin Ross ain't gonna block. Jody Fortson got okay ish at blocking. Justin Ross ain't that guy. So you remove Jody Fortson's snaps between the 20s and you just focus on what his red zone snaps were i know i'm thinking four to six this first week especially they're gonna put him in a couple times in the red zone maybe there's a couple third downs where they want to use his size i just don't think it's gonna be a lot and i don't know if it'll ever be a lot without injuries he's a vertical outside wide receiver they have two guys ahead of him on the depth chart that already do that hard to find that spot so yeah i'm going four to six for week one but hey he might find that end zone a couple times because that's what they've shown the propensity to do now and if Kadarius Tony is healthy, as Andy Reid, I get a little, little behind the curtain again. Andy Reid saying right now he looks good to go for week one. We'll see. But if if Tony's active, I can't say healthy, but if he's active, some receiver's going to be inactive. And I think if there's yeah. just as good a chance as Justin Ross as, as, as anybody else. Um, I've got a kind of galaxy brain on, on is Richie James a little bit redundant when Kadarius Tony is out there, mm-hmm. but you just can never risk Kadarius Tony being a necessary part of your football team until he's able to do that for longer. So I, I don't know, but I, I could absolutely see it being between zero on the dot and 12 is my little range, which just fits yep. nicely in, in the middle of. It's so like now you're getting my, my nerd brain going here. Um, Kadarius Tony and Justin Ross couldn't be different as receivers or body types. However, they're both going to be most effective in the red zone, right? Like we've already seen that's where Kadarius Tony's that's been cool. at his best behind the line of scrimmage in the red zone. So you can't trust, especially week one without practicing Kadarius Tony's snap count overall can't be big. But if he's healthy, are him and Justin Ross now oddly competing for red zone snaps in different ways? But are they now competing for like these designer red zone plays? They just look entirely different. And who loses some there? It's like, yeah, that's interesting. I will be very intrigued how the Chiefs utilize those two plus Richie James because it does seem like there might be some redundancy in not only player types, but also where they might be best utilized once the Chiefs have the ball. Hmm. We can count this as an extra question for all the Sharks out there who are counting now. Do you, what 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 would your ideal layout be if you're only activating six receivers of those seven week one? If, if when all seven are available to you, uh, I would just not activate Kadarius Tony and just thrive with what they have because I just don't have I don't have the belief that Kadarius Tony sets the. I think the Chiefs are a perfect spot for Kadarius Tony. There's zero pressure for him to ever play, and when he does play, you want to give us two snaps that maybe are fun. Cool. You want to play. 35 snaps and all of a sudden like do your Kadarius Tony thing or become a real wide receiver. Awesome. There's just no pressure. But if I have to choose the roster for game day and like anticipate what I might get, I don't know. I just might just let him chill on the side until someone gets injured and I have to put him out there because I just, I don't, I don't trust it. Interesting. Little, yeah. Little, uh, <laughs> last minute. Like you? Situation. 
No, no, I, who, like, who are you? I don't know. I, I really don't because I, I understand that like, and you've done a good job in the lab of keeping people on the right path on Justin Watson. I understand why he's the least exciting, but he's going to be active in part because like you mentioned, hey, Justin Ross isn't going to be the blocker that, that Jody Fortson was. Justin Watson will be the blocker Jody Fortson was either, but he will be a blocker as a wide receiver in a useful yeah. way. Um, so I that that is where I kind of end up looking at the, the Tony Richie James combo, those two guys having one spot. And I, but the problem there, who's returning your your kicks and your punts? Who, who is your punt returner if Kadarius Tony is healthy but not returning? Not returning, and Richie James is inactive. Is now is Yari sitting Sky Moore back there? That can't that cannot be the plan. So that it it really becomes difficult. Hey, Justin Watson, you know, got that emergency punt returner unlocked. Not good at it, but he'll catch it. He'll catch, he'll it. catch it. He'll catch <laughs> it. And and we're playing a roster game, and I don't know. Maybe maybe in week one they have even more weird options. To where, you know, with only two quarterbacks. Anyway, I don't know. Is there a way to get all seven receivers active? And would it make any sense? I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure if it does. Yeah, and they might have a chance. With three running backs and three tight ends, there might be an option to get... Oh, especially, I guess, because Blaine Gabbard doesn't count against the active roster now either. So they might Oh, is act- that true? Well, there's... Oh, no, wait, no. It's only the third quarterback. Sorry, not just the backup. Sorry, I lied. Oh, boy, that would I lied. My, you know, my NFL rule game is incorrect. I lied about that. Um, But yeah, there just might be a chance. It might just be offensive linemen that are inactive. I don't know. We'll see. The Chiefs, might, the Chiefs are going to run into this issue at some point in time, and I am curious to see where they go now. Um, we get this from KC from KC. Which part of the team? Which part of the team is going to positively surprise everyone this year? Hmm. Do you have an answer for this one? I might have to ruminate on this a little bit. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm having to think because I don't. The areas that I think people think lower of the team I don't know if they'll surprise you right like it's hard to say the defensive backfield is going to surprise people because everyone had high expectations and they probably shown a few more weaknesses in preseason it's just preseason but in preseason that we hoped the linebacker room's got to be one of the best in the NFL just based on talent amassed I'm gonna go okay I'm gonna go Chiefs pass rush and this is without Chris Jones without Charles and I've seen Steve Spagnuolo do some wild stuff like it might not look pretty I think the Chiefs pass rush will be effective when it'll have to be blitzing It'll have to be through the covered shells and being exotic and throwing confusion. I don't think the Chiefs are going to have a bottom three pass rush in the NFL, even without Chris Jones and Charles Aminahue. I think Steve Spagnuolo will do enough stuff that they will be respectable. It will be blitzing, which isn't what you always want to have to do against good teams, but I think they'll at least be respectable in that regard. I think at this point, the tackles might have gotten taken off the board as a surprise because of the preseason looking good there. And if I say tight ends, I'm really just saying like Noah Gray has a role in the offense. But um, those are kind of the only other two categories I can really go to. So I'm I'm still pretty nervous about that pass rush. I love your logic of just Spags is going to work something up. But like, I don't, you know, I love Mike Dana, but I don't even know. I don't even know where he's going to be lining up because the Chiefs need, the Chiefs need three Mike Danas right now. Um, oh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll say tackles, but I, I think if you were paying attention during the preseason, it probably won't be as much of a surprise. Yeah, no, I agree. That's it. Kind of got difficult with the way the Chiefs like the preseason went. Um, Casey also had another one. Where did you uh, learn to speak so fast? Did you partake in high school debate team? I didn't. Um, my mom before I was born, she did. She did TV, and my dad's done like public speaking for a long time. I don't know. I don't know if I have a fast talking family altogether or where that came from. Uh, Pretty early on doing podcasts, I think maybe there was just like a, a little tug of war over uh, audio time, you know? I was like, I want to get my take in real quick, and then you get your take in real quick, and then I'll get my take in real quick. Um, I'm not, I'm really not sure. Uh, I've also just uh, listened to a lot of rap my whole life. Maybe that got in there somewhere. I, I really, uh, I don't know. But I listen, I listen to podcasts at, at two times speed if I'm like hunting for information also. Um, yeah. So if I have really comedic podcasts you actually talking about before this show, believe it or not. Um, that one I'll, I'll let play at its natural one one time speed. But yeah, I don't I don't know where it came from, um, nature or nurture or both. It's probably my parents' fault. That uh, Buster Rhymes influence, you know, just gotta, yeah, kind of keep up, kind of keep on trying to hear what's going me, on. Me and Ken out there in the Casey Current Media game on Friday, Tech Nine was our celebrity rep. I had I didn't I did not speak to the man, um, but if I if I did, I was gonna need to be able to hold my own in that conversation. Fun fact, we were able to see Tech 9 during the Chiefs or during the draft last year, and Kit could it couldn't have been less impressed with Tech 9. <laughs> Tucker and I went out there to check him out, and Kit was like, Yeah, no, I'm good. Like, he heard like one word and was like, No, nah, I'm good, I'm out of here. No, that's wow. not the story about Kit and Tech 9. I wish that was thrown to Tech 9 when you guys uh, had him around. Um we, 
Uh, oh, high school debate team. I didn't do high school debate. I tried middle school debate, and I quickly realized that they wanted my uh, either Friday nights or my Saturday mornings for debate. That that was not about to happen. So I did it for a semester. I went to exactly one debate. It was fine. I don't mind arguing and talking about stuff. So I thought it would be fun until they required like days that I valued more than the uh, debate. So um, what do we have next? We have a couple more questions about the Katz brothers. I think we answered those pretty good. We don't need to go too much farther into those. Um, here's one from Mike in Sweden. Why do so many people not understand the contract numbers from Mike Florio, the Chris Jones contract numbers from Mike Florio? I, my basic recap from people that are much smarter about the cap than me the Chiefs offer that apparently has been out there that was framed as very low turns out to be roughly $27.5 million in new money, which is directly in the middle of Aaron Donald and where Curry Williams ended up. Yes, per year. Sorry, per year. It was framed as a low ball offer. The way it was written, I don't know if that's what the contract meant. I don't know if that's how it accidentally got written. It was written as a not good offer for Chris Jones. When quite frankly, the new money is exactly what everyone is saying with the middle uh, of those two contract numbers. It was also stated in the article that Chris Jones would accept an article, and I forget the exact details, but again, the new money in this detail is actually more than what Aaron Donald signed for. And this was written as he would accept this offer because it meets in the middle. I'm chalking this up to it being poorly written and not what people actually think about those two offers. But like, why do you think that it's hard for people to? decipher what contract numbers are in general. It doesn't even have to be about this, but in general, why is it so hard for people to decipher contract numbers sometimes? Because they, you are being purposefully deceived. That I mean, that is honest to God the answer. Because the the reason, I, you know, I'm, this is all speculative from here, everybody. Nobody's... Yes. But, but the reason that you read, and it doesn't have to just be this instance, but generally speaking, if you read a report about a contract offer and it's framed as a low ball, well, that's coming from the agency. If you're reading an article and it's about how this player is being um, under under communicative and and isn't really respecting what the team needs here, and this player is a malcontent, that's coming from the team side. That I mean, it, it is politics in that way, where a lot of times you you have the the healthy negotiations that happen behind the scenes, and it never bubbles up that way, and just stuff goes well. Once it gets out into public, it's trying to sway some public perception to put pressure on the other side. I mean, that's the whole point of going public with it. And it frankly is one of the reasons that I I was relatively optimistic about some Chris Jones stuff until recently is it hadn't really gotten very public. And then when within the course of like three or four days, Brett Veach, Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey all kind of put out like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed kind of statements. And then shortly thereafter, you get that that article uh, from Florio that I, I am assuming is the agents pushing back to say, all right, fine, we'll put some other, it's getting messy, we're going to put some numbers out here, here's why we're we're disrespected or whatever. This last free agency cycle is the worst I've ever seen, um, where it's this contract for two years up to $17 million. Donovan Smith's deal was like this. Wasn't reported for one year up to seven and a half or eight, and then it's yeah. like one for three. Incentives likely to be, I'm like, it's, it's all... It's all a little bit of funny money. The fake, the the void years now, that's a, a relatively new phenomenon over the last couple of years. There are all sorts of different ways to to influence how you think about a contract. Um, in yep. this case, I uh, I don't I don't know all the specifics of why people have a hard time with this one. Re overall, though, it, it is because everyone has an angle. No, that's what I was true, right? And like there. I'm the I, I agree with you. I think it was an agent talking to Florio of some kind, putting this out there to frame it in a way that says like, hey, Chris Jones is here to play ball. The Chiefs weren't get, coming up to where he was. I, as a person that is very cap dumb, I am very open about this. I rely on much smarter people than me to tell me about the cap. I don't I spend my brain power doing other football related things. I don't have time to learn all of that. Yeah, I've had it broken down like this. That's the way it's read. So when I first read through it, that's immediately what I thought is like, this is saying Chris Jones is ready to play ball and the Chiefs aren't. And it seems like a lot of people have done the same thing. I'm not saying that is a negative thing towards anyone reading. That's how I took it as well. But once you start to run the numbers and you can go to a good friend of KCSN, Chief Bearcat, he's got a lot of tweets about it. He's very good with cap stuff. You can go to Jason OTC on Twitter from uh, Over the Cap and he wrote an article about it. The way the numbers in the article, when you play them out, and you look at the new money being added and the way that teams read that teams most likely do, 
it's a lot of money. It's a good, it's a quality offer. It's splitting the difference, just like the article says Chris Jones wants. And the other article of Chris, like, is new, more new money than Donald. Like, so I don't know if the Cats Brothers side worded this in a way that guys like me are going to take it as Chris Jones playing ball and they just messed up and how it actually plays out. If Florio wrote it poorly, I don't want to say incorrectly, but didn't word it correctly to make it very clear what was going on. Or like you said, cap stuff's so confusing. There could be so many other marks in here and things that need to hit the incentives here, incentives there. It's hard. Cap is hard. I listen to other people for it, but I just want to say, I don't, if you think the contract leaks from the Florida article are disrespectful towards Chris, or even the other way around, if you think they're disrespectful towards the Chiefs, I recommend go finding somebody that is really good with cap stuff and seeing their take on it, because I think the numbers are a little different than what they are presented as in the article. We got one last question here from Julian K, 10 out of 10 with Rice. This is directly to you and only you. Josh. Will you be more active on the Discord than Kent Swanson is? For reference, <laughs> Kent Swanson finds the Discord about once a month. He's active on it for that day, and then he disappears for months at a time. I uh, I have to I have to tweak my notifications on everything. I've actually gone through it. I've been retweaking my like uh, Twitter notifications a little bit. I've got my other little social media things that I'm now trying to threads is trying to send me to more notifications. So so my goal for the KCSN Discord because so far I've really enjoyed being in it. Um, I. I just never, I, I think can't try to block me out from getting in when it like it actually started. I subscribed to the Substack like day one and I still Check I don't know what happened. It's Ken's fault for sure. But uh, my goal is to uh, be be much more present there than Kent is. That's a nice low bar for me to clear. Uh, but I've got to, I've got to keep my notification settings in a healthy place on my phone or else it ruins my life like it's ruined Tucker Franklin. Oh yeah, shout out Tucker Franklin. Survive that, survive the Noti gang. Um, all right, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for 21 questions. Thank you, Josh, for hopping on with us. It's nice. It's nice to have new faces around. Get some uh, new perspectives on questions. I'm sure people are tired of having just the same, uh, you know, lab folks and we sprinkled in with some Tucker and some Jordy answering all your questions. So I'm glad we got some new faces in here, new voices. We appreciate it. Thank you guys. Enjoy the last 21 questions before the Chiefs take the field for the first time this season. Take it easy, everybody. Go Chiefs this Thursday. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.